0: Good morning.
1: Good morning. morning.
0: How's everyone feeling?
1: Sweaty, sleepy, but great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't answer because I don't know. Fine? Fine. <laughs> that doesn't is, feel like a headquarters answer. Fine <laughs> is a, <laughs>
0: a feeling word, isn't it?
1: Mm-mm. No. <laughs> <sighs> I can hear that you're feeling fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it fits, like
1: slap is hard.
0: It doesn't slap as hard. It fits the formula, but mm.
2: <laughs> it slap is hard.
1: <laughs> I love that phrase, and I especially love when Meg says it.
0: <laughs> it makes you sound like you're hip with the teens.
1: Uh-huh. It's the only like hip thing that I say.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I learn hip things from you. I feel like, but I'm like oh, 73 years old
1: <laughs> emotionally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Old man Otten. Old.
1: Old man Otten. Man
0: <laughs> um okay, so today is September 2nd, 2020. <laughs> which means that we have entered September, which has significance in the world of suicide prevention. Indeed. September is suicide prevention month. The week of September 6th through the 12th is September or is suicide prevention week and then world suicide prevention day is September 10th. So if you didn't if you had spent the entire year not thinking about suicide like most people do, September forces you to think about suicide.
2: Mm. In multiple different ways.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a time of a lot of activity. Um, lots of social media posts related to um, suicide prevention, how to be involved, recognizing warning signs, risk factors. Um, the American Association of Suicidology sponsors Suicide Prevention Week. Um, they also sponsor a campaign called AAS 365, the idea that suicide prevention happens throughout the year
1: it's really weird to think about the fact that people don't spend the entire year thinking about suicide (laughs) my mind was like wait who does that
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's front and center for all of us all year round (laughs) which is one reason that i hate september (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which might be an unpopular thing to express on a podcast from a suicide hotline (laughs)
1: it's a very stressful month and very packed full of action and activity
0: yeah meg meg you are part of a lot of presentations and planning that goes around in suicide prevention month what is it Mm -hmm. like um, in your role
2: um
1: it's it's both fun and stressful fun because you get to connect with a lot of people that normally don't um, like reach out to the Kansas Suicide Prevention Resource Center, um, so I'm connecting with folks that, you know, are unique to the work that we do, um, so that's really fun, and I like to be busy, so that's nice, but it also can be stressful, especially if, like, there are two presentations in one day or something like that, but, um, yeah, for the most part, I, I think it's enjoyable, and um, I like facilitating conversations about suicide, um, and so it's, it kind of ramps up this time of year, and, and that's nice, and feels really productive, and like, um, you know, people are getting information that they need, um, or that they otherwise wouldn't get, and that feels cool, so. Yeah.
0: I think a- you know, it, it is definitely a time where people, I, I think you see it a little bit on social media where people um, who maybe weren't on your radar as being in the loop about suicide prevention kind of pop up and maybe share some things that in support. Um,
1: yeah, I've already been seeing like, so I, I like saw a bunch of people on their Instagram stories posting stuff about suicide prevention and it makes me like nerd out so hard. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Hey, wow. Thanks for sharing that. Like, it's like I owe them some gratitude for it or something. I don't know. It's really weird. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) You are adorable.
0: Um, Well, it does. It comes out of this place of like all the activities around suicide prevention month come out of the efforts of suicide loss survivors as well as suicide attempt survivors. Although suicide attempt survivors, is, they're a group that collectively, the community is working towards being more inclusive of. Because um, for, for many years, um, suicide prevention has been led by suicide loss survivors. And those voices were at the center of some of the work. Um, and I think for, for me, that's one piece that I think like makes September suck is that my dad died by suicide in September, which I try not to put like a lot of emphasis on specific dates, um, but I, I, I don't know that you can effectively work, your, work yourself around that. So I think for, for me, September becomes like kind of muddled with, you know, these really heavy reminders that like, oh, your loss is kind of front and center, you know, this time of year is approaching um, and I know that for a lot of people, you know, specific dates or even just reminders that like, oh yeah, my loved one died by suicide. Like, not that you need that reminder, but um, it can be front and center, thus making, you know, scrolling your Facebook feed a little bit more challenging.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. I also think that the month asks a lot of people. Um whether you're a attempt survivor or a lost survivor or whatever it is everybody wants you to show up uh, um and it's asking it's asking a lot sometimes sometimes the fall is real hard mm-hmm. uh, sometimes starting school in September is hard, and it's hard to show up anyway, and <clears throat> I think that. Then being on and seeing all of the posts and seeing all of the conversations and seeing all of that it's it's a month that's asking a lot mm-hmm. um, and I think it can be frustrating, especially for folks um with lived experience who do the the work year round to to feel like September is the only month that they're doing the work, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so yeah, I think this, I think suicide, national suicide prevention month is a mixed bag. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's a lot of importance because we have to talk about it Mm -hmm. and we need that recognition and it's a lot. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. September gives, gives people who, you know, don't do this work year round and have lived experience sort of a A safety net, I think, or a safe, yeah, just like a safe window of time to be proactive in talking about suicide, whether or not they're sharing their lived experience. Um, But clearly, like a lot of people have this issue close to their heart, um, and don't feel comfortable talking about it outside of September, Um, which I mean, is part of our work, (laughs) part of the work we're doing is to try to make it more accessible, make those conversations more accessible throughout the year.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about like the month being like establishing the month as Suicide Prevention Month makes it more approachable to people who otherwise wouldn't be having conversations about suicide.
1: Yeah, because I notice a lot of um, people that maybe that I went to high school with or that I've just known throughout my life um, who aren't vocal about these kind of issues, particularly about suicide prevention, um, that definitely – become vocal in September. Like this is my platform. This is this is the time where I get to safely say these things um, and hope that someone can listen.
2: I think um, that sometimes, sorry Jared, I think that sometimes we we forget being in the business that we're in and talking about it every single day, um, that it is still really, really difficult for people to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult for people to say the word suicide. It's really difficult to like, to think about it or to think about how it impacts you. And so, yeah, I I think it's a good, it can be a good platform, like you said, that safety net um, because it is so hard and so uncomfortable.
0: I I also think like, recognizing where I'm at now compared to where I was at, you know, maybe six years ago, um, the events that were held, for example, the candlelight vigil, um, or other events that I've attended during suicide prevention month have really, I mean, they've provided a lot of healing and a lot of like a sense of community. Um, and I think I'm just at a different place than I was, um, you know, six years ago. So, I think for so many people, I, I don't want my message about Suicide Prevention Month to be one of you know negativity, um, because I do think that for a lot of folks, the events that are held can be really healing.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's just day. I think it's important to talk about all sides of it because I think mm-hmm. that the reality of September is that it can be really challenging, um, and it's important to acknowledge that too. You know. Um, We sort of run headlong into the month with this expectation that we're going to be doing a lot and it's going to be exhausting and stuff. Um, And I think that there are folks who absolutely come into the month just dreading it because it's going to be exhausting in Mm -hmm. more ways than one. And it's just going to be in their face all the time and they're going to have to be on and they're going to have to talk about it. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so...
1: Yeah, I really think, like, all points are valid. I really especially like Kristen's point of, like, it's asking a lot of people with lived experience, um, and it also gives those same people that platform. So I think that every single perspective that we've shared so far is valid and important, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, just true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Also, I don't think it, like, makes you less of a suicide prevention professional if you don't like suicide prevention month, like, It's okay that you don't want.
2: to I mean, uh, everything aside, it's just real busy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot lot to do. Um, (laughs) So, you know. I
1: I think for me, like, the experience of, like, looking at my schedule in September and seeing, like, I have this, 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 that feels really overwhelming. Um, But when I'm, like, actively in the middle of a presentation with Meg or something, I'm, like, on top of the world like I am on a high of like this is the shit that I love <laughs> so it is exhausting but it's also really exciting when you're doing the work like in the middle of it mm-hmm. anyway.
0: yeah I, I feel that with, with recruitment for our fall training group you know every time we're at an info session I'm like oh I guess I'm going to go through this spiel again and then I'm like see their bright shiny faces and I'm like volunteer. <laughs> and and yeah it it does turn things around Mm -hmm.
2: i remember being in um both my undergrad and grad school in september like so starting classes being a volunteer at headquarters and also knowing that training was coming up which i always helped with um and then just the intensity of, and this was before I was like really involved. Um, but my dad, who di- also died by suicide, his birthday is in September, um, mm-hmm. and I just remember always thinking, "What in the hell are we thinking with doing all this in the fall, in the be- in September? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so much, um, and being really like overwhelmed by all of those things, but also not being willing." to not do any of them. Like I was going to continue to volunteer. I was going to continue to train. Like I could have said, mm-hmm. I need a break from one of these things. Right. Probably not school or work, but <laughs> but the other things. Um, and yet, I still did it. I just, just have a very clear memory in my head of being like, oh, this is so much every time. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Yeah. Um, I- because I'm thinking about last year and how uh Meg and I both dipped out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you guys both took vacation. <laughs> it's, it's September. <laughs> wow. What a time. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> I'm, ol- I'm only leaving you for my vacation for the last few days in September so I'm here for most of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I scheduled mine for October this year. You're welcome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh erica any <laughs> nothing,
1: nothing scheduled currently sorry um if i do schedule something it won't be in september
0: <laughs> September's a great month like i love the weather i get mm-hmm. to put on sweatshirts and jeans and things start changing the air starts smelling different Mm-hmm. I love September.
2: You get to change the scent of your body wash from yeah. a summer scent to a fall scent. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. totally and thinking
0: your
1: that. Candles. <laughs> your
0: pumpkin spice lattes are like right around the corner.
1: No, they're here, Jared. What? Here. iced pumpkin spice lattes right now.
2: Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Wow, the blending of things that shouldn't probably blend like ice and pumpkin spice. But, yeah, I agree. You know.
1: Yeah,
0: they, it feels like warm flavors, but whatever. Uh-huh.
2: Whatever. i, mean,
1: I tried it, but it doesn't sound good to me. I have a really cool, fun fact to share.
2: Cool. We would love to hear it, Meg.
1: Thank you. It's not related to the podcast, but it is related to fall. So, you know how Jared said that there's a smell in the air, like there's a new smell? My sister explained to me that the smell of fall is actually comes from the trees when they change colors. They they put off a scent. I don't know the scientific way to explain this, but they put off a scent and that is the smell that it, I associate with fall. Because oh, yeah. I was like, isn't there a smell that that you smell when it's fall? And then she explained it and I
0: just thought that was really cool. Wow, that I think it's really cool. I think today you could kind of smell it with the fog and mm-hmm. it, it almost smells like kind of dusty. But Yeah,
1: totally. Yesterday, yesterday I walked outside and it was really nice and it was in the morning and I smelled, I was like, oh my God, it smells like my grandpa's farm. Like, it was such a good, like, just like feeling to smell that, it was beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Smell is one of the strongest, like memory related senses that we have.
1: I cannot go into Perkins because Perkins smells exactly (laughs) like my (laughs) grandpa. For some reason. Mm-hmm.
2: my grandparents garage yes. like sits with me and every time I even get like a whiff of it I'm like whoa it's like transported back to childhood it's so it's very strange yeah. but the garage has such a like strong place in my brain mm-hmm. I
0: I have a similar experience and it's like it's like a mixture of gasoline and dirt and mm-hmm. just
2: like love that
0: it's very specific, though, not, yeah. like, my garage does not smell like my grandpa's no. garage. No. Nope. What is that? I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, I can I can definitely, like, I can remember the smell of my grandpa's garage, too. And it's different than uh-huh. my dad's garage.
2: Weird.
0: Weird. <laughs> Maybe we should do some research and Meg, Meg can uh, update us on why that's the case.
1: Yeah, she knows Jenny, she
2: knows all <laughs> that's true. Why do our grandparents garages smell different than all of the other garages? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so-
0: funny too because like my my grandparents are dead but um their house is like in Osawatomi so I wonder if I could just go knock on the people's door and just see if the, the garage still smells.
2: <laughs> Hello. Hi. I've come to sniff your garage. <laughs> That's not weird, right? Right. <laughs> Wait, what were we talking about?
0: I don't remember. Oh. Um, I, I wanted. I you know I've been really excited about this uh, trail cleanup that we're about to do. Yes. And it's during sep- uh, September, September twentieth, actually, from nine a.m. to noon. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be picking up trash on the Burroughs Creek Trail, which. Is my, like, like most of this is probably self-serving, but, like, that's what I want to do during um, Suicide Prevention Month. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I my hope is that the event allows us to, like, get together and be like, yeah, suicide prevention's a thing, but we're just going to pick up trash and not talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, trash therapy.
0: Exactly. And, and I, I guess to tie it back to whatever we're supposed to be talking about is you know so I think sometimes during these periods of time whether it's you know anniversaries or um, where you're experiencing more frequent reminders about your your own stuff or your own lived experience like doing things that are unrelated is I don't know important and maybe necessary.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I saw a really um, great post from Live Through This specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, Desiree Stage, Mm -hmm. who was talking about kind of all of this, um, like, being in it and how exhausting it can be and the importance of it and all of that, Um, but, like, gave some really good reminders about other ways that you can show up um, that don't specifically have to do with talking about suicide, Um, but, like, Um, reaching out to people, donating money to, like, um, food, donating money or food to food banks, like, talking to um, your trans friends, making sure that they are doing okay, like, just showing up for, um, just showing up for folks, because all of this stuff, um, that includes like checking in and donating and just talking and all of that falls under that suicide prevention category, especially for marginalized groups and, you know, like, it it was a really great reminder um, and made me think a lot about the other ways that we can be talking about suicide prevention in the month of September that might be equally as important for people to hear rather than just the the risk factors and the warning signs, but also um, how how we do sort of that prevention piece, um, especially in communities and in our own lives and um, with our friends and stuff, so.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that even just, I guess you've kind of already said this, but like just having conversations about like how you're doing or your mental health um, or the those around you and their experiences with mental health. I think that can be an easier segue for some folks than explicitly talking about suicide. Um, so that, I mean, that can always be something that, that folks try and like ramp up right now too and to try to normalize those experiences. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But yeah, just, Jared, you're talking about trash therapy is <laughs> a good reminder that it doesn't just have to be us saying the word suicide over and over again, right? Like it doesn't have to be a walk or a run and not that those don't have significance and importance, but it can it can be just reaching out to somebody um, and not just in September, but throughout the year, right? Like it can be the acknowledgement that hey, I'm here and I'm a friend and talking to you is important. I love to see the signs in the yard, um, in the yards that say you matter. And then on the other side, oh, what did they say on the other side? There are a couple of them.
1: Don't give Don't up. Don't give
2: up. Um, I think there are four sayings total. But I also love that it has different things on both sides. Anyway, those signs in the yard, I'm, I always drive by and I'm like, "Oh, Same. Yep. Good for you, someone saw that and they feel good. You're right. <laughs> in fact, it was me, I feel
0: good. <laughs> yeah, Rachel literally said, aww, when we drove by the other day, uh, one on mass.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> There's one on, uh, there may be a couple. On Connecticut, which is my route to and from and so I always like I always notice them. So, you know, if they're one of our many, many fans. Good Mm -hmm. on you for putting those signs out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget to like us, guys. Many, many fans. You're doing the good work.
0: (laughs) Um, I was going to say something.
2: Sorry, I well, went off on a sign rant.
0: No, that was that was a good one. It was good because we're talking about connections, which are at kind of the center of suicide prevention.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, like if people are trying to get some guidance, I guess, related to um, suicide prevention month, um, Alan, our development director, has done some really great work on our website, and you can go to National Suicide Prevention Month, um, which is one of the tabs at ksphq.org. So I think um, there are a lot of things that we can do related to messaging, um, like the signs, for example. You know, it's it can all be connected to suicide prevention.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm switching gears, but I think it's still relevant when, as we've been talking, um, one of the things that, I think it was when Meg was talking about, like, normalizing um, the experience of struggling with mental health stuff, and uh, one thing that I, I think is important to mention on here, because ideally the folks who are listening um, to this episode are people who are doing the work year-round, um, one thing that can be really interesting and make you feel good and also really exhausting about doing this work is that people in your life know like oh yeah Erica does suicide prevention work and so anytime someone has a question or like hey my my mom will do this sometimes oh i'm one of my employees has um, is not is not doing well this is what's going on what do I do? (laughs) And it's just like a, like a lot of people will reach out. And so like the number of interventions I've done for friends and like strangers that people in my life know is kind of unreal and also really cool. Um, And then on the flip side of that uh, I think that when I want to explore both of these things, but I want to get them both out. Um, When we have someone, I know Meg and I recently had an experience where someone that we were really, you know, that we were friends with in high school, um, died by suicide. And we were like, what the fuck? Like, we had no idea this person was struggling. I mean, we weren't close to him at the time, but like everyone in our friend group knew that this is the work that we do. And nobody told us, you know, like we were just like, we could have helped, like what, you know, just kind of taking it on. Um, as someone who does the work and, and when you lose someone to suicide, it kind of makes you question, like, well, what the fuck is the point of my job? Like, am I not doing enough? Because if people know that this is what I do, why are they not using me as a resource? Um, and so sometimes people will avoid um, us because they know what we do <laughs> when they're struggling. I want to talk about, I think it, it, it would mm-hmm. be good to talk about both of those things.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been so many times, like, friends have texted, family members have asked questions, like, I, and I think I often warn <laughs> headquarters volunteers, like, when they're going through training, it's like, all right, once you learn these skills, they become your superpower. And with, you know, the whole Spider-Man, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. is there,
0: with great power comes great responsibility.
1: Yeah, <laughs> true.
0: You get put in, you get put in positions where, um, you're a helper, um, which is a really like an opportunity that I feel incredibly grateful for Mm -hmm. and one that I feel um, sometimes exhausted by.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: 100%. I was, um, I go back and forth across the bridge in North Lawrence quite a bit because I go to that dog park over there and I was coming home from the dog park and saw somebody sitting like in the middle. Um, so not on one of the outsides, but kind of in the middle where there's some, um, but they were just sitting there and it felt like they were close to the edge. And so like by the time I got to the end of the bridge, cause it took me a while to process all of that. I was like, well, I can't keep going. We literally have an example of talking to someone on a bridge mm-hmm. <laughs> and assist yeah and so i need to turn around like i need to turn around i need to to talk to that so i turned around and then i had to go into another parking lot to turn around again and by the time i was coming out of that parking lot to turn around to try to figure out how to park to get out and go talk to them um there was an officer that was that like beat me to it and stopped and got had gotten out and was talking to them so i was like okay (laughs) Wow. But it's that same sort of, like, it, it feels, I feel really honored to be able to talk to people and to be able to help people. And I feel like it's a gift that, that I and we know how to do mm-hmm. this work. And there are times where I'm like, ah, it's like, that is a lot. Um, or when I spend a lot of time thinking, like, for instance, at the dog park and someone is just standing, like, by themselves looking into the river, one of my first thoughts is, what do they need? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Are they thinking about suicide? Should mm-hmm. I go up and talk to them? What if they're just standing there thinking about the river? Dying. And then, well, like, uh, yeah.
1: My, my dad sent me recently sent me a video, um, about that singer from Lincoln Park who died by suicide. Um, I don't remember his name. Sorry. Uh, he was, he was like, it was like this series of interview clips where he was describing depression and my dad just sent this to me with no context. And I was like, first of all, my dad does not send me things like this. So what is happening? So I was like, um, you okay, dad? You th- you thinking about suicide? Like what's going on right now? Because you've never done this before, and he's like, "Oh no, it just reminded me of you." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: <laughs> that is like Pete's sad girl status.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I felt incredibly seen. Like yes, I am sad girl. Patient zero. (laughs) Um, And on the other hand, I was like, oh, this is what you think of me. (laughs) That reminds me of, uh, I've trained my sisters really well because I sent my um, sister a random text that just said, I love you. Because I saw something she posted on social media and it made me laugh and I felt like, I love her. So I just sent her a text that said, I love you. And then she called me and she's like, hey, are you okay? What's going on? I just thought your text was kind of vague. And, you know, I I know that, that, you know, sometimes you do really hard work. And I just wonder how that impacts you. And are you like thinking about suicide? (laughs) I was like, girl, I just wanted you to know that I love you. (laughs) But I'm proud of you. But
2: good job. You because it's not me. easy. Yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're going to practice on someone, it might as well be, you know, someone that you uh, care deeply about. Mm-hmm. Someone who works in the field.
2: Yeah. But the amount of times that I'm obligated to ask, like, strangers or friends or people that I know if they're thinking about suicide, is <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And you're like... God, I really hope the answer's not yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Every time. Yeah.
1: I just, like, it is, Kristen, it is your first thought. Like, something bad happens in my family. Oh, my God, he's going to kill himself. Oh, my God, she's going to be thinking about suicide. Like, I just, it's just, like, an automatic thing. And then everyone in my family is so annoyed with me because I'm constantly, like, are you okay? Are you thinking about suicide? How are we doing? Um, And they're just, like... Can you please shut the fuck up?
0: <laughs> one thing Rachel gets annoyed with me about is um, like anytime someone dies unexpectedly, yeah, one
2: hundred percent. My automatic
0: go-to is like, oh, they killed themselves, and here's okay. all the reasons why I know that's true. And she's like, uh-huh. oh, they have died of a heart attack. You're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> not that, <It's, laughs> not that suspecting that someone you know kills themselves makes you an asshole.
2: No, it's it's just that it's con- like it's constantly like there as a we should be looking for this we should be worried like we should be thinking about this we should um, be talking about it I was going also to- if anybody under like 65 dies then yeah that's my immediate thought as well
1: like
2: mm-hmm. you were saying
1: sorry i thought you were done and that was that was rude it's okay <laughs> um i was going through my text messages last night because the storage on my phone is full and so i was deleting some conversations to free up some storage and the amount of random numbers i have in my phone from like my sisters asking me to check on their friends or from people like people reaching out to me for advice on how to talk to someone i was like wow i not only do i do this in my professional life but I do a lot of this work personally as well and it was it just really surprised me because there were I mean 10 or more it was crazy wow well and like I can remember like pre-HQ Meg calling Erica to say like hey my sister wanted me to reach out to their friend who's having like this like breakdown uh, I think they're thinking about suicide this is what I've done so far what else do I need to do like you've always done this uh-huh. even for hq and i true. love
0: that that's true <laughs> it's good that we've trained people in our lives to use this as a resource
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i think Lyra was trying to make her debut on the podcast again yeah.
0: <laughs> i mean you know it's i think it's time i think she's grown up a lot and
1: Kristen's like, nope. Mm -mm. She no longer is called Princess Screamy Face, so I feel like there's been some growth. Oh, wow. I forgot about that name.
2: She she does scream less, um, although she's pretty high-pitched when we pull into the parking lot of daycare. Mm -hmm. um, So she gets it then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now. (laughs) mean that was my perfect dog, timing. My dog was just like, who is it?
1: <laughs> it's okay, Demi. Flossie gives no shits about other dogs barking. She's just like... <laughs> um, dang it, I had a thought. It was really get us back
0: on track, Erica, come on.
1: That's what I was trying to do. Um, and I lost it, and I hate when this happens. But you can... Do you have a
2: thought, Jared, to get us back on <laughs> track? I just
0: I, I think that's I, my job.
2: <laughs> I just want to say that I've never heard anybody else's dog bark on a podcast like um, Pod Save America or any of the like podcasts that I listen to, and they're all podcasting from home. What are they? Do they muzzle their dogs?
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> they probably have recording studios in their homes. I,
2: I mean, fair. Um, Not just their living room.
1: <laughs> so we- we're here to talk about, you know, September lived experience. Um, are we going to share uh, <laughs> those things? Because <laughs> right now all I can think about is like, yeah, I'm just like thinking about the work and the way that it, the way that it shows up in my life. And I'm just like, I have like a running list of <laughs> of like, oh yeah, this person died by suicide, that was really sad. Oh yeah, this person uh, reached out because they wanted to die by suicide. That was hard. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know, that's all, that's all that's in my head right now.
0: I think more than anything we wanna recognize, which which I think we've reiterated is that people, we know that people come to this work with their own lived experience. And we recognize how challenging it can be at different times. And September just happens to be one of those times throughout the year. Where we're really focused on suicide prevention, and we know that people we we hope that people will choose um thoughtfully like what they show up for and choose thoughtfully what they do to take care of themselves during this month mm-hmm. as with any month um and then i I guess maybe a place that we wanna touch on, which Kristen brought up, is you know suicide prevention has started out of this you know, movement of lost survivors, you know, we've shifted our focus to recognize the spectrum of experiences related to suicide and especially acknowledging suicide attempt survivors. And now I think we're moving to a place where we're recognizing more nuanced and specific experience, those of marginalized identities, Mm -hmm. people of color, Mm -hmm. um, veterans, LGBTQ populations. So one um, one thing that I
1: want to say that's related to this is like, Um, one of the most beautiful, like, written works that I've ever read was by Hanif Abdurraqib, um, where he wrote this short essay on, and it was titled, it's in his book, They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us, Um, and it's titled, um, Brief Notes on Staying, Nobody's Making Their Best Work When They Want to Die, Um, and he, like, articulates um, so beautifully, because, like you said, Jared, we talk about lost survivors, and we talk about attempt survivors, but when we think about attempt survivors, we think about people like Kevin Hines, who attempted once, got saved by an animal, and, you know, like, it's like this miracle story, like, he's never going to be suicidal again, he's never going to try to kill himself again, and I feel like that is just, like, a fantasy for most attempt survivors, Um, and so, the like, one thing that Hanif Abdurraqib really highlights is that like there are people who are living he he talks about it like tug of war and there are people who are living with their hands on the rope even if they're not pulling back um and and that just like feels so profound and true to my experience of like i've been chronically suicidal for years and years and years Um, and there have obviously been times where that was a lot more serious than it is, you know, but even still, like I'll have suicidal ideation and I'll be like, where the hell did that come from? Right. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've attempted multiple times and after, after both of those by multiple times, I mean, I've attempted twice and, and after both of those times, there was no part of me that was like, I'm never going to do that again. Like it wasn't like a miracle, like a cure. Like all of a sudden I'm healed because I survived the su- suicide attempt. That's not how I felt at all. Mm. And I know that I'm not the only person who feels that way.
2: A hundred percent, yeah.
1: Yeah, like I know that's a very normal experience, but it's one that we don't talk about when mm. we think about attempt survivors.
0: Yeah, that, that's really good. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah. So read that book, especially that particular um, essay. It's so effing good. I cry every single time.
0: Can you, can you say the name of the essay? Again?
1: <clears throat> it's called Brief Notes on Staying. Nobody's making their best work when they want to die.
0: Good memory. You're great.
1: I know. It's because I'm obsessed.
0: <laughs> Gosh.
1: And fun fact, when, Hadid, when Hanif Abdurraqib came to Lawrence, to Liberty Hall, to, to do like, a, like some readings, um, I had him sign that page of our book. And uh, I also wrote a letter to him from HQ to say thank you for like this particular thing that you said, or this particular essay that you wrote. And uh, you know, I just, yeah, it was really powerful to me.
0: And that's from, that's from they can't kill us until they kill
2: us. Yep. I, I think that one of the things that we know for sure about, Um, suicide prevention and intervention is that it needs more work, (laughs) um, (laughs) that it needs more money, that it needs more research, that we need to be able to give people more definitive answers when we're talking about, um, how to help and what to look for and what we know and that kind of thing. And that's just going to take more money and more research. but part of the thing that makes it so difficult is that it's so hard for folks to talk about, but that, so, that there's such a huge spectrum of experiences, mm-hmm. which is I think what you were touching on, Erica, was this, this idea that somebody may attempt one time and then that's it. That is the only time, that's the only time that they thought about it, that it doesn't come back, um, that it isn't there anymore. Someone may be chronically suicidal um, throughout their life and never make a plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, someone may make plans over and over and over again or have multiple attempts. Some people may never think about suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I think that it is, and you know we also know that suicide doesn't typically happen for just one reason um and the, the tipping point can be anything but often it's about loss and pain and and you know all of that but I think it just makes it notoriously hard to to research Mm -hmm. Um, And because we don't know a lot about it and because it is the unknown and people don't have definite answers and are afraid they're going to make it worse, then it's it's so hard to talk about and to bring up. And so I think as we're talking about suicide prevention, it is really important to acknowledge so many different experiences Mm -hmm. um, and different ways that that can be true in somebody's life. That it doesn't have to look a certain way to be real um i i definitely have talked to folks who have like you know yeah i mean i had an attempt but like i was young and it was like not a serious attempt and i just um that was
1: me yeah
2: and i feel that and you know and discounting that experience is not valid no um, and and so and I, and again, I think that that comes a lot of times and you could speak to this. Um, but that comes from feeling really uncomfortable uh, talking about suicide mm-hmm. or like it somehow makes you a social pariah to um, To say that you had an attempt.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely did not. <laughs> I used to talk about my first attempt uh, short, you know, within a year and a half or two years after it happened, I used to say like, I didn't call it a suicide attempt, I would say like, I was wishing for death. Um, And that just felt so invalidating, but also like, I didn't wanna be dramatic because how many times in my life have I been called dramatic? It's it's an uncountable number. (laughs) Um, And so, it wasn't until actually until assist when I went through assist um, because I don't know if you remember this, Kristen, but when we went through assist, all I remember talking about was someone in my class who died by suicide shortly after high school um, and how I wasn't close with her. Um, And I, in fact, didn't even like her. Um, And so, but, but that whole time, I can't remember if I talked about it, but that whole time in assist, I was just processing like, fuck, I've attempted suicide twice. Um, and they were legitimate attempts. Like those are not just like wishing for death. Like that was like okay. something I was trying to die. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's it's just really interesting to like as you learn more um, about suicide and and just get I don't know just like more education and and start to destigmatize it in different spaces. Um, it can it can change the way that you view your own experience.
2: I came into headquarters <laughs> to be a volunteer, <clears throat> not at all thinking about my dad who died by suicide. Like that is not why I showed up at headquarters. In fact, I didn't really put it, it together that headquarters was doing a lot of suicide intervention work. And it wasn't until, um, I mean, I talked about it in my interview but at that time, I literally talked about every single thing that had ever happened to me that was bad in that interview, <laughs> <laughs> because they asked me to. Um, mm-hmm. It took two hours, anyway. But I—it was in training, um, and we didn't have assist in 2005. Uh, but it was in training that I was like, "Oh, we're talking about suicide," and like my dad died by suicide and I'm sharing that at the table and everyone is like, why died? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's really intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I took it home and I processed it in a different way. And it wasn't that I did that, that. Like my, um, that my mom and some of my brothers had shied away from talking about the fact that he had died by suicide. It was that I, I don't, I hadn't put it in a headquarters context, right? Like I hadn't put it in the, the work that we do in that context. And so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. When you, when you take, when you start talking about it, when you normalize that discussion that, that you process things in a different way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be incredibly freeing. I mean, it, it's difficult, but I think it's like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, my experience was really valid. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to, like, go back to something that you said earlier, Kristen, um, about how it's not one thing that happens that makes someone, it's often not just one thing that happens that makes someone want to kill themselves, um, and how it doesn't have to, like, make sense for an attempt to happen. Um, Something that I talk about in therapy a lot, because I have some chronically suicidal clients, um, is, like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. like. I want to die. There's nothing happened. I don't have this kind like, I don't have a lot of trauma, like, you know, all of these, like, these, like, rationale for, like, why they shouldn't right. be suicidal. Um, and I don't necessarily share this with them. But I think, like, something that I find fascinating about my own experience um, is that I did have a lot of trauma. Um, and I was definitely struggling with that trauma. But the, the, the day that I chose to attempt suicide the first time, um, it was because I had a really bad basketball practice and I felt so overwhelmed by having such a bad practice, um, that I just wanted to die. And so that is where my attempts came from. And the second time that I attempted suicide, I was also experiencing a lot of trauma, um, and like dealing with that and really freaking struggling with that. But the thing that made me want to die was that my family got to get together for like Mother's Day and I wasn't able to be there. And it's just like, I was so mad that, and hurt by that, that I was like, I need to kill myself. Um, And it it doesn't have to make, like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Right. For someone to be like, okay, like you'll go to the next family thing, (laughs) Um, which is what my mom told me. We'll do it again. (laughs) But I was just so like, I just felt so hopeless. And that was the, that was the straw. (laughs) It's just wild to me that that and, and I understand why it's so hard to get to like to understand suicide.
0: I think that's the thing though that like just listening to you talk, Erica. it's like that's why stories from attempt survivors need to be heard because you know I can I can think about my my grief experience and I can like, you know wonder about what was my dad thinking or what was he experiencing, um, which is really just like not not a good place to be. But hearing from attempt survivors, I think is the most important thing, both for, for someone who has no experience related to suicide, but especially for, for me, someone who's lost someone like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it feels good to like understand. Mm -hmm. It's also hard. I mean, it's also hard to Because I think one of the stereotypes or or one of the experiences really of lost survivors is feeling that sense of anger or blame or feeling a sense of shame around their loss. Mm -hmm. And so really like one could view attempt survivors and lost survivors on, on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but, but if you view like those conversation, that conversations as an opportunity for understanding, I think it can be, all the more healing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think like one of the things I love talking about the most is like, because people have asked me, because I've been vocal about my suicidal ideation and attempts, um, people have asked me like how I don't, even on the phones, like I've had phone calls where they don't know my history at all, obviously, um, but someone's calling and they're asking like, I don't understand how someone could think about suicide. I don't get it and I specifically remember having a conversation with this guy about like I understand why you like why it's so hard it's it's really difficult and and my theory I guess is that we can only understand to the extent that we've experienced it unless we are really really like we are masterminds of like wrapping our heads around concepts that are incredibly complex (laughs) um but like you know like I I I can understand to the extent that like, that I've been, you know, in the place of like wanting to die and making a irrational plan to kill myself, but I've never like planned a suicide long-term and like gathered means for suicide. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know that experience. And so I don't know how, like, I don't understand. I mean, I kind of have a little, you know what I'm trying to say? I'm overthinking this now, but um, like someone who Has done those things. It's really hard for me to 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 wrap my head around. But at what point do you like come back to reality, you know, like, at what point does the crisis pass that like that crisis window pass and you realize like, Oh, I don't actually want to die. I was just really struggling Um, because my attempts were so like, I was in that 15 minute window. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't something I'd planned for a long time. Anyways, my point is that that It's really hard to understand. And one of the things that I really like talking about is is that like I know a lot of um lost survivors or people who don't have an experience with suicide um can think about it as being selfish or um, you know, all of that. We talk about that. Um and in my experience and in the experience of so many people I've talked to on the phones, um, it's really about selflessness. It's about like i am such a burden that every single person that i love would be better off without me and it's like it's like you want to relieve the people of your like of of you um and it's 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 obviously like a distorted depressed thought um but it's not it's not like i'm killing myself because they deserve to experience this kind of pain it's not that kind of selfishness um but I think that's difficult to, to come to terms with. And so I've learned a lot from you, Jared and Kristen, um, as people who have um, lost their dads to suicide and how your experience of that like anger and shame and just confusion and those, that, that grief is very different and also very valid. Um, so you can't like argue away. <laughs> like I can't tell you, well, he wasn't being selfish. Um, if you feel like he was, because that's valid, you know, it's just, it's yeah. so complicated. I and, just really rambled. Sorry.
0: <laughs> it was good stuff. Um, and highlighting like the, the diversity of experiences related to suicide. Um, yeah, it, it lands differently for everyone. And most of us have something or someone in our lives that connects us to suicide.
1: Mhm.
2: I think one of the things about doing this work that we all do is also the, the layered impact um, that suicide has um, on our, on us.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so um, people in our lives who have made attempts or who have died since starting this work, um, it's it is, it's hard to explain, like we all know what we're talking about, when I say that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's hard to like truly explain the layers that exist because Mm -hmm. I think that, that there are things that we deeply know and believe and like value in this work and then to lose someone or to have someone in our life make an attempt, um, shakes that, but it also like solidifies it. It's such a, yeah, it's just complicated and layered. And Mm -hmm. so and I think that that is true for a lot of people who do this work. Mm-hmm. And if they're also struggling themselves, then it also becomes really layered.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's something that's important to think about too, is like, when I struggle with suicide um, or with suicidal ideation, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that connects me to life is the fact that I do prevention work and I want to live with integrity. <laughs> So it's like, it's cool that I have that now, you know, like, well, I have to hold myself accountable and stay alive because I preach this shit constantly. Um, but but yeah, kind of like I was saying earlier when Meg and I lost um someone that we went to high school with, we were just like totally thrown. Like, what? <laughs> But but we could have helped. We could have done something. And then we also went into this like, okay, well, our friend group is fucked and we are going to have to provide an intervention ASAP. They need to learn. They need to be educated. Like that was the way that we were processing our grief was like going into work mode <laughs> without, without our friend group's permission. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. it's It's hard to separate the personal and professional. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's part of the, I mean, maybe kind of the subtext of what we're talking about too is finding that balance.
1: Yeah, because this work is so personal
0: mm-hmm.
1: for, for all of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it, it can be the thing that um, it, our, our personal connections to the work can be the thing that makes it unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And so without being thoughtful about it um, and finding balance, you, you're at risk of not sustaining your ability to be involved.
2: Yeah. So I think that that like dovetails really nicely into how do we sustain Mm -hmm. ourselves, you know, like how, how do we manage day to day? Um,
0: I know that I'm going to be managing by doing some trash therapy on September 20th. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're there for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get on the river on September 13th, which is very exciting with, uh, you know, Jason mold. Oh, good to know. Oh, you're just finding out.
2: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He said, uh (laughs) Uh
1: uh-oh. I go to therapy, been going to therapy since I was 15. I love therapy. I'll tell everyone to go to therapy. I've been going every week. My, for the last 15, Wait, how old am I? 12 years is how long I've been going every single week. Big fan, big fan of therapy.
0: It's good stuff. (laughs) Good stuff.
1: Um, I would say this is where my, my practicing boundaries comes into play. Um, Because yeah, with all the outside, like family or friends that are calling to get, advice or guidance or whatever. Um, so recently someone very close to me attempted suicide and my entire family was calling me and it, it was really an honor to be able to provide support and, and be that person. But it was also really hard to function in my daily life and do my job with that, with those conversations happening. Um, and so finally I had a conversation with someone, probably one of you all. Um, and I got permission to like step away. Like, I don't have to have the answers for them actually. Mm -hmm. Like I can't. And that was the most freeing thing for me was thinking like, Oh, I don't, I don't have the power here. Um, and so just being explicit with my family or my friends who were calling and saying, um, you know, I think that, you know, I'm not the right person to have this conversation with right now or whatever. And that like Mm -hmm. being okay with that. Um, And it was really hard at first, but it significantly improved Mm -hmm. my outlook um, when I was able to set that boundary. So boundaries. But it it also seems like it allowed you to process the grief and the fear and all of those things that you were experiencing as a result of that person's attempt. Like that really impacted you deeply and you weren't able to honor your own feelings because you were so busy intervening with your family. That's true. Yeah. I like was totally in work mode, which I think was helpful in the beginning. Um, and really just like how I was coping with it, but yeah, it was, it was good when I was able to step back and just like, Feel it myself and and work through it because I could hardly close my eyes at night without picturing it and all, you know all of that. And finally, when when I was able to process through it, like I I could function yeah. again.
2: I think yeah, boundaries are incredibly important. Um, when there have been people in my life uh, who have either died by suicide or have had attempts, Um, trying to find a balance between knowing the things that I know and work mode, as we're calling it, Mm -hmm. and also not, like, stepping in and being like, hey, I know all these things, (laughs) I can help you with this process, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, has been really important for me in my own processing but also my my relationships with family Mm -hmm. um but yeah and I think much like we were talking about earlier finding things that aren't necessarily um don't feel like out and out suicide prevention but actually are suicide prevention right like um reaching out to people and and talking about ways to have connections and helping build those connections and um, you know, talking to volunteers about how to find support and stay supported is one of those things. Uh, many of the people um, that are answering the phones have some sort of lived experience, like whatever that looks like. And, and so um, sort of constantly talking about how we per, how we show up for them and how they show up for each other and, and what that support looks like and mm-hmm. not necessarily in the context of being um, someone who's had lived experience, but just being people who want to be there for each other and people who need support and providing a place where it feels safe to talk about emotions and feelings mm-hmm. and to say, I'm struggling. And hopefully to have that be prevention rather than intervention, right? Like, if you know that you can ask for help at, at any given time through this process, then sometimes that acts as preventative rather than having to do an intervention.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I think if if people want to figure out what they can do during Suicide Prevention Month, going to asphq.org and finding the national suicide prevention month tab gives you a lot of good ideas about things that you can do Um, and some of those things are um, I'll say obscure you know but things that relate to connections like Kristen was talking about and then there's also going to be a luminary event um, held in the let's see so it'll be held in front of headquarters on our block of Delaware Street. It'll be September 10th at 7.30 p.m. And so folks can um, put a luminary in honor of their loved one who has died by suicide. And there will also, so the symbolism behind some of the luminaries, there will be 555 luminaries, um, which is the number of people who died by suicide in Kansas last year. Um, That event will be drive-through so you can stay socially distant and safe, so. If you're interested in that, check that out on the website and Facebook. Anyone else have anything they want to
2: say? Um, That we appreciate all of you who are listening um, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we're here for it in whatever way we need to be. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time um, just now talking about suicide and talking about lived experience and stuff and so and and being there and being the one and yeah i mm-hmm. just want to say that um that you matter mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the signs say <laughs> just like you matter just
1: like the signs
2: <laughs> um yeah and then and,
1: and for as much as we've said that september is hard and, and our capacity is lowered um please don't hesitate to reach out <laughs>
0: Like, ah, shit, I'm not gonna reach out to any of these they yeah.
2: <laughs> They're <laughs> so bitter. <Yeah.
1: laughs> I, I still have some fluid in my cup. Ew. I don't,
2: I don't, <laughs> I don't like, like that. That Can you,
0: can you re say that, please? <laughs>
1: what do you say? My cup is still full. Or. It, my cup is not empty there we
2: there go, go.
0: <laughs> thanks for fixing that
2: My cup is not empty yep that's yep. better
0: all right i can't take any more goodbye <laughs>